Welcome to In That Case. My name's Joel Townsend and this is my podcast about important pieces of litigation which have shaped Australian public life. You can find past episodes on the website at www.inthatcasepodcast.com. You can also find them on iTunes and on Stitcher and you can find me on Twitter at, at Townsend Joel C. Uh, this is a short episode which is really supplementary to my other episode in which I talked about some litigation in which Jeremy Jones was involved. He, for many years, has been involved in the Executive Council of Australian Jury and in that capacity has been involved in litigation relying on Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act. That's the provision which uh, prohibits acts which offend, insult, humiliate or intimidate where those acts are done on the basis of race. So in the other episode, the longer episode, I talked to Jeremy Jones about the Frederick Tobin case, a particularly long-running piece of litigation involving a Holocaust denier who ran a website called the Adelaide Institute. But Jeremy Jones talked to me about a couple of other cases he'd been involved in, one involving Olga Scully from Tasmania and another involving the Bible Believers Church. And in talking about those, he had both some interesting stories to tell and some interesting reflections on what it meant to pursue this sort of litigation. The situation with Olga Scully is uh, Olga Scully, Miss Scully, who lived down in Tasmania, had been involved for quite a number of years in distributing a huge amount of material, which was not just anti-Jewish. Some of it was broadly anti-migrant, anti anti-gay, pro-apartheid, all sorts of things which were part of, you could say, a, a broad package of uh, ideas which would be identified, I suppose, with a uh, far-right-wing political agenda. And uh, within the Jewish community, which was very small in Tasmania, we had the situation where people had been asking for a long time for her to desist on her behaviour. We had situations where she was going to um, markets where you could sell your local goods out of the boot of your car and she was running on, on her the battery from the car running anti-Jewish videos, distributing books, putting leaflets under people's um, windscreen wipers, putting things into letterboxes and any attempts to have her stop seemed to mean not only a tin ear but sometimes the threat, and, uh, the threat of counteraction. For instance, telling local markets that they'd be uh, charged with restraint of trade if they stopped her doing what she wanted to do. So uh, shortly after the law came in, we received a number of complaints or uh, more, more, it was more uh, hurt comment, people saying, what can we do more desperate pleas for help rather than complaints from a number of people in Tasmania, mainly elderly, all of whom felt that Tasmania would have been a place where they could live in peace from the horrors of Europe, which many of their families, if not them personally, had experienced during the Second World War. And they, they just found this case going on. And it was put to me by one individual, for example. He said he worked as a professional. He would receive the material from Olga Scully, like so many other people, and he would just throw it in the garbage bin. But what would his secretary do? What would his clients be doing? Would they know that this material was not only false and wrong, but could lead to uh, horrific actions against the people identified as being uh, 
inhuman in some ways or worthy of not just uh, content but also hatred and fear-mongering, and they were generally quite uh, worried. So uh, the Executive Council of the Australian Jury met our committee of management, which represented all the leadership from Australia, and there was a general agreement that this was something which definitely should have been the subject of a complaint under 18C. And I was honorary secretary at the time, so because I was honorary secretary, I signed the letter. So when I signed the letter, the uh, Human Rights Commission wrote back to me, and I would somehow, it became then my case, because at that stage, the Executive Council of Australian Jury um, had not had its legal identity really tested in court. It had existed since 1944, but it's quite different to be an organisation on paper and something that is standing before the court. But I, as an individual, was the person who'd written the letter, so I was involved. One of the sad things, though, in these cases is the way the law is framed, unless you are directly targeted by the law, you can't complain about it. So I read horrific anti-gay material, horrific anti-African material, horrific stuff about Indigenous Australians, but I could not, under the law, complain about them. I could only complain about the anti-Jewish material. And it actually came up in court when we had to identify particular words that we were objecting to. And we wanted to say we object to all of it, but that would have not been something we could have uh, pursued under the law. So it became quite a narrow case to do with anti-Jewish material. Uh, we won the complaint, but then there was changes to the act and we had to have a second complaint. We won that complaint as well before the federal court. And uh, after, uh, at our request, what we asked for was for her to, to cease distributing anti-Jewish material. And despite having spent a great deal of time over many years distributing anti-Jewish material, she stopped when given the court order. So you could say that was a, a very good result. We had groups of her supporters gathering in court saying that uh, the true chosen people were the whites. And so we Jewish people were against the chosen people and therefore we were racist sinners and they were praying, uh, basically praying that we would burn in hell. Uh, but running a church service of sorts in the courthouse. So that was quite a, a bizarre and interesting experience. But the, the end result was Olga Scully uh, stopped distributing anti-Jewish material. When it came to... Uh, Olga Scully in the first case, she was representing herself, and uh, but she, she was a more interesting case. I mean, in a sense, she basically said, without being too crude, when she was caught, she basically said, fair cop, you know, you've done me, <laughs> and that was it. I've discussed with a number of people what the 18C has meant, specifically when it's come to the Jewish community. We look at the case of Olga Scully. So here's somebody, for a long time, they were distributing anti-Jewish material, before 18C, they were able to do it without any real fear of consequences. Come the new law, they're found to be in breach of the law, and if they do it again, the consequences are contempt of court, which can be quite serious. We weren't talking about fines or anything else, but there was something that happened which meant our reports of anti-Semitic incidents in Tasmania went from a moderate to a very small figure in a very short period of time once people in Tasmania heard about the Scully judgment. Jeremy Jones also talked to me about litigation involving the Bible Believers Church who had clearly profound religious convictions but also some attitudes, some racist attitudes which they expressed in public ways. 
in one of the other cases in which we were involved, uh, in a case uh, called the Bible Believers, Jones of Bible Believers, uh, where we had a case of somebody who, at that time, if you used to Google the word Jew using google.com.au, the first responses you would have, a whole list of them, were anti-Jewish material coming from the one website. And so we asked Google to do the right thing and to fix up the algorithm because clearly people searching for Jew were not searching to find out why all Jews were evil. They want to know a little bit about history or religion or culture or something. And the answer from Google at the time is, we'll only do anything if it can be shown to be outside Australian law. And we said, well, there's Holocaust denial. And they said, well, not in this case, only in the Tobin case. So that was the motivation of taking the case against quite a, uh, a small reach organization. But in that case, we had a situation where in front of us at one stage, the, uh, our uh, defendant in the case, the respondent to the complaint, sacked his lawyer because his lawyer was trying to uh, argue that a person maybe didn't mean what he said. When you look at manifestations, and we're talking specifically about people right now defaming Jews, because it's not necessarily the same to all groups. It can come from different directions at different times with different motivations. And sometimes you're going to have people who uh, have a particular issue with a particular Jewish person or uh, a particular part of the Jewish community, and they want to win an argument, and they don't care how they win the argument or what they do, and they'll include an anti-Semitic element to that. You also have people in Australia who, some people in Australia, who are part of cultural groups which have as part of their core identity a belief in the innate betterness or worseness of other groups. And some of these include uh, a, a Jews as being a group who are always to be targeted. The Bible Believers Group I mentioned were a group of Christian Australians. I don't know how many when I say group. It might have only been one person and his dog. But people who who believed, who came out with the belief that Jews were a particularly subhuman species, as did another group, a Christian identity movement, who actually argued not only that Jews were the spawn of Satan, but as they put black people, to use their words, were God's failure at creating humanity before he got it right with Adam, who was a white person. I mean, you're dealing with people like that, but we're also dealing with people who come from countries where I've heard, for instance, some people from a particular African country were mentioning to me, they said if they turned on the tap and water came out brown, not clear, drinking water, they'd say the Jews are behind it. And, yeah, and people then come and they could be unaware there's even a counter-argument or counter-discussion, a different way of talking about or looking at the relation of Jews to them. And uh, so we have that difficulty and that hasn't gone away and it's an ongoing challenge. Another case we had involving the Bible believers case, basically somebody was trying to claim that their religion permitted them to promote hatred towards another group. The court found that's not an excuse. It's not you. So um, this is a question which obviously can have some uh, can develop into the future. But there is now on the court record discussion of somebody who claims they would do it. They were exposing the evils of a group because of their religion, and so, no, we have racial vilification legislation. The next case was, uh, because you were talking about Fraser Anning, came up in the newspaper of the One Nation political party in Queensland. They're, in their newspaper, they had a series of articles uh, which were openly anti-Jewish. 
the most uh, offensive was basically the claim that the Jews were the invented pornography or led world pornography. So we then invented the internet so we could flood the internet with pornography. So we could then get everybody addicted to pornography and then bring in laws to stop pornography and therefore control the internet and control people's minds. Now, the journalists in One Nation argued that this was a political newspaper and it was protected political speech. The outcome of that case determined that no, it wasn't protected political speech. So you can see from there that we, we've developed a, uh, at least some form of template against which people can say something, you still are going to have people who are going to behave in manners which are a breach of common decency and even the law, but now you have some recourse for victims. Thanks for joining me for this brief supplementary episode of In That Case. Once again, you can find previous episodes on the website at www.inthatcasepodcast.com. I'm on Twitter at, at @townsendjolc. I hope that this has given you a bit of a flavour of some of the other pieces of litigation in which the Executive Council of Australian Jury were involved, and I look forward to joining you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.